Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvian BCM, and welcome to a very unusual, um, I guess, special and <laughs> you know episode of Latvia Weekly. I am one of your hosts, uh, Joe Horgan, and I am here in Yelgava. Uh, my regular co-host Otto Tabuns is also with me here in Yelgava, but on the other side of Yelgava. Uh, and we also have Mr. Chris Ockenfelds, uh, who is enjoying a glass of Australian wine down in the bottom right corner, and he is calling in all the way from Australia. So, so say say hello, everyone. Australia, Cambodia. Oh, he's calling from Cambodia. I'm sorry, but he he he's so he's uh so so Chris is a um for for those of you who've listened to the show before you you might have um heard him before he is an Australian Latvian or Latvian Australian who uh, he has lived here in in uh, Riga and then also in Liepāja for some time uh, he is a Latvian citizen uh, but he is also a world traveler so he just uh, left Europe for Cambodia right before um, everything happened so. We we've got uh we've got quite a lot to talk about with everyone, um, but our I think we have to start with our official Latvian word of the week. So the Latvian word of the week is attalanat. This is a word that we're hearing all over Latvia in every single aspect of life. And Otto, being our resident Latvian language expert, somebody who uh, that that is your uh, birth language, and that is also a language that you've taught people before as well, can you explain what exactly "attalanat" means? So I'll probably start by spelling that. Which uh, so the word "attalanat" is A T T A L I N A T, and uh, which literally would to oneself from something. From the, the base of this word is uh, tals or tal, which means far away, which is uh, very appropriate in this time uh, as uh, one of the measures for uh, keeping us all uh, safe at the time when we have a new virus uh, across the world. Yes, and uh, for those of you watching the Facebook Live broadcast or the Facebook video, I just put up the word on the screen so you can see it. Hopefully it is spelled correctly. Otto will uh, let me know later. Uh, but anyway, uh, the reason why Atalanat is the word of the week is... Now, it's, it's, I, I don't even know where to begin, because l- l- let's, let's pick up where we left off from the last episode. At the end of the last episode, Otto and I said that no matter what, we would be here this week doing the podcast even if we were in quarantine, not really expecting that we actually would physically be in quarantine. Now, both Otto and I are healthy as far as we know. Uh, Mr. Chris Ockenfelds is also healthy as far as we know, as far as he knows, I, I think. Um, but uh, as everybody probably knows at this point, there were extraordinary measures announced by the Latvian government and many governments throughout the world uh, over the weekend in order to stop the spread of the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus, which has been a, a major problem pretty much, uh, you know, on, on every single continent now. And uh, so, you know, Atal and Ashana, you know, or social distancing, as it's been called in English, is is the uh, order of the day, as, as all of you are experiencing now. And it, it's, uh, you know, kind of funny, Otto, because uh, we were talking about either on Friday or Saturday, making a special episode of the podcast specifically devoted to the virus and, and about the uh, measures that, that Latvia has taken, the Latvian government and everything. Um, but we, 
you know, every time we were about to record, we just realized there's really almost no point to it because the uh, specific information about the virus and, and about the measures will probably be different by the time uh, people are listening because things have moved so rapidly. But I think now is finally a moment where things have sort of slow down a little bit in terms of the uh, rapidity of the new measures that are coming out, the new information that's coming out. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, by uh, for, for those of you who are listening to the audio version of this, uh, this information will not be completely out of date. Uh, but Otto, can you do a quick run-through, and, and we, we can do this together, of what are some of the major uh, measures that have been taken by the Latvian government, just in case, you know, people haven't uh, heard them yet, or, you know, people who, uh, you know, might not be following Latvian news so closely, who might be living in other places. What, what are some of the key steps that the government has taken to try to uh, stop the um, spread of coronavirus here in Latvia? Of course, uh, the most uh, meaningful um, impact that we can see uh, as of today is uh, the uh, suspension of uh, international passenger travel, and uh, which pr- uh, in principle means that uh, borders are practically closed, uh, as it has uh, been not only the case for the Latvian government, but also for neighboring countries in the case of Lithuania, also in case of Poland. And uh, Germany, so the international travel is uh, practical, and uh, uh, some uh, cases are going through, but those are exceptions authorized by uh, the, the uh, members of the government in case of uh, the repatriation of those Latvian citizens who are still abroad after this uh, uh, time uh, when uh, the Riga airport was closed and the Riga port was closed. So there are some uh, extraordinary um, um, uh, travel organized, such as with the ferries uh, mm-hmm. across the Baltic Sea between uh, uh, Germany and uh, Latvia, uh, and uh, that is probably something that affects uh, the most of people. Uh, there is also the uh, uh, closure of uh, schools, as probably Joe you can uh, see right now. Uh, it's probably much more quiet uh, also in uh, the Yago Speedo State High School, and it is also the case in most other educational institutions uh, except uh, kindergartens uh, that uh, have been closed. and. Uh, uh, as a result of this, also the uh, centralized exams, uh, specifically for uh, the foreign languages, have also been uh, postponed uh, to presumably May. Mm-hmm. Um, a- another thing that is also uh, postponed, which is also something that we will discuss, uh, is the uh, re- municipal election, extraordinary one. Mm-hmm. So that will happen either in uh, April or May. And uh, also uh, there are uh, some uh, limitations uh, for uh, a number of uh, public um, uh, places, uh, such as uh, restaurants, um, shopping malls, um, and so the limitations uh, in the number of people that could gather together and also, uh, for example, for um, some other places, the uh, limitation on the working hours mm-hmm. uh, so as to uh, limit uh, the number of people that uh, get together uh, for uh, extensive periods of time. Uh, that also includes uh, religious services. So uh, in um, you know, most uh, churches uh, and temples, uh, they have been suspended uh, until further notice. And also that that goes towards uh, all other public events, conferences, seminars, um, also co- concerts. Uh, so they have been uh, uh, cancelled or postponed, and so uh, it is much much more quiet and quite an extraordinary situation. Probably something that I see for the first time in my lifetime here. 
Certainly, yeah. And uh, Otto, uh, the connection dropped out for just one second, so I just want to um, let people know. Uh, Otto was talking about the uh, the um, municipal election because uh, for those of you who've listened to the show before, you know that there was a new election planned for um, Riga City Council due to a very long story we won't get into right now. That could also be an entire, entire uh, podcast episode. But there was a um, kind of a uh, extraordinary. Uh, uh, local city uh, council election for the city of Riga that was planned. Um, and uh, now it's going to be a very extraordinary situation because, uh, you know, in this emergency situation, there's no there's no city council that's functioning. So they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're being directly controlled by the central government. Very, very interesting times. And uh, and yeah, so ab- about the schools, I can I can talk about the schools uh, real quick for just a second. But we have gone to distance learning, which is another um, kind of, it could have been the word of the week as well, tal matsiba. Like study from afar, Matsiba is uh, studies and tall is far. Um, so uh, this is going to be a very, very interesting challenge for especially uh, elementary school teachers, for university teachers and for uh, high school teachers and teachers of kind of older kids. It's not such a great challenge because we've already been moving, you know, to using more online materials. But especially for uh, teachers of younger children, it's going to be a lot more um, difficult. And we'll, we'll get into some more of the uh, kind of, I guess, fa- fallout from these, um, you know, measures that have been taken and discuss this a little bit more. Uh, I want to go to you, Chris, for a second, though, because you had quite an extraordinary journey uh, <laughs> over the last week or so, really, I, I think, you know, probably since the last time that we uh, did this podcast. And you kind of saw the writing on the wall that, uh, you know, the, the the borders were going to be kind of closing. A lot of people, you know, weren't really sure if that was going to happen or not. Uh, so, so Chris, um, last that we heard from you on this podcast, you were a English teacher in Liapaya. So can you give people a little bit of an idea of what changed and how you ended up in Cambodia, of all places in the world? Yeah, well, um, basically, the school that I'm going to be working for here in Siem Reap, Cambodia, had been expanding in the number of students. And... The opportunities for teachers to work in the school were quite good and uh, I was happy to accept a contract to come back here and at the time I accepted the contract I had not predicted anything about border closures or anything but as it was getting closer to the time where I had to leave Latvia and make my way to see in Cambodia I was absolutely terrified en route that somewhere along the line the big gate would close and I'd be stuck in some intermediate country somewhere between Europe and my destination and not be able to get in. Even in, um, like, I went, the, the way I went to, I started off leaving Latvia as a tourist. I mean, I took two nights in Tartu, Estonia, then I went to Tallinn for three nights, party, party, party. Then when I arrive in Helsinki and I get to the airport, I tell you, you could have fired a machine gun through Helsinki airport and not hit anyone. When I went through, like, baggage check-in, there was only two of us there. When I um, went through security, there was only one person in front of me. When I went to passport control, there was no one. I could just walk right up and I was the only person going through passport control. And I was really scared that something happened like we'd be refused entry to Thailand. Even when I was in Bangkok for only one night, I was terrified the next day I bought the plane, we'd get halfway to Cambodia, the plane would do a 180 degree turn and we'd be straight back in Thailand. So when I arrived back in Cambodia and I finally got my visa, I was like, I'm in. Because um, in the time I've been here, Cambodia has banned about six different nationalities from coming here. Vietnam has banned about, banned about 26 different nationalities. And I can tell you Cambodia would have done that very reluctantly because Cambodia is an incredibly welcoming country and they would have been highly reluctant to ban anybody. And certainly the population, they really want to see lots of Westerners here because the economy 
depends on lots of Westerners being here. But even now in Sydney, and we, I go out in some of the busiest areas of town, there's not so many foreigners there, and uh, the local people are actually quite scared. They're very frightened for their livelihoods. Yeah, no, it's 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 really un- unbelievable times. Um, and and before we go forward and and kind of discuss a little bit of the uh, kind of uh, I don't know, take t- take a breath and take stock of what's happened and and some of the uh, results of what's happened so far. I just want to put up uh, for those of you who are on the Facebook page uh, some numbers on the screen. So there's a uh, informative telephone number that you can call six uh, seven. 67- Three eight seven six six one. So that's in Latvia only. On obviously, uh, that's six seven three eight seven six six one. And this is an informative uh, telephone number that you can call with uh, questions about the uh, COVID uh, virus and, and uh, you know, kind of do a little bit of a, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, Tolerunus is also the, um, you know, Latvian word for, for telephone number. So like distance, you know, dis- distance speaking is literally the phone for, for, yeah. for telephone, you know. So the, this word of the week is the perfect word of the week. Um, so, so this is a number that you can call uh, Monday through Friday, 830 in the morning till nine at night, and also Saturday and Sunday, uh, 830. 30 until um, 5. And there's also uh, one other number as well. So this is an emergency 24-7 number. This is 26337711. That's one more time, 26337711. And this is an emergency um, this is an emergency 24-hour uh, for a uh, number for help with um, uh, situations uh, uh, abroad as well. Um, so so this seems to be a number if you're trying to get back to Latvia, for example, or, or if you have some issues with that, that, that's an emergency number that you can call too. Uh, also on the English version, of, uh, sorry, the Latvian version of LSM, there's a lot more numbers um, for specific different situations. You can take a look over there, lsm.lv. And definitely, um, you know, I would strongly suggest following lsm.lv because they're all, uh, most of the um, kind of uh, most important information is on there that the government's using to reach out with people. Uh, also, Latvia's Radio One and also uh, Latvian TV. Unfortunately, all in Latvian, um, but you know there's the English version of LSM as well, which which can be helpful. Um, can be helpful too. So, um, whew, we have a lot to discuss, and I don't even know really where to uh, start uh, when it comes to these uh, containment measures. But first, I, I, I guess um, I, I want to go to you, uh, Otto. Uh, so, you know, we, we've both been, you know, th- uh, kind of uh, around and, we, you know, we've talked to different people. What's the general sense that you've gotten from people here in Latvia? How seriously do you think that the people you know are, are taking these measures? Um, how, how strict do you think that people are in terms of actually following all the different measures that have been recommended? And, and how worried would you say the people that you know are um, when, when it comes to, uh, you know, both the uh, actual virus itself and then also the economic fallout, which we've already been seeing, you know? Uh, in uh, what I have seen and heard, um, uh, there's certainly not a sense of panic. At the same time, you can see uh, that uh, some people are worried. Uh, people are discussing this uh, on the street. Uh, let's say when, when you uh, wait by the red light, you can hear uh, quite a few people discussing the, the recent news and reports. Um, we have seen an uh, increase into uh, bulk buying, but at least uh, in Yalgava, um, I've not seen a case where, uh, let's say, these uh, shops would be emptied out as they have been, let's say, in some cases in the United States, in France, or in other cases. And uh, very encouraging also was this announcement uh, from 
uh, I think it was representative of uh, either Lat one Latvian farmer association or uh, of the producers of um, um, the um, food industries, uh, that they thought that even if the borders would be closed completely, uh, um, at least food-wise, Latvia would be self-sufficient, and uh, even then we would be able to export uh, the, um, the rest of it. So in that regard, we really do not have to worry about it, and um, the, in, at least in our case, uh, we can be calm, and in general, the public uh, reflects this sense. Um, probably in some cases, especially outside of Riga, it could be an issue uh, for some people now uh, trying to uh, think both about uh, their economic situation, especially in those cases we can't really do your uh, job uh, from home. Um, uh, also, uh, at least in the first days uh, after the, the school was cancelled, uh, I could see uh, a lot of uh, school children going around uh, and like trying to find ways how to enter entertain themselves. Uh, some of them, unfortunately, also were uh, going around and smoking, <laughs> but thank goodness that was not the majority of the cases that I saw. So certainly uh, something different, uh, a major change uh, in the uh, lifestyles, but at least uh, probably for the first two weeks uh, it, it should be alright, and if it then extends, uh, especially from the economic viewpoint, we might see uh, this uh, bigger uh, questions raised, uh, because as we see currently there are already the representatives of, of the uh, employers, the representatives of business discussing it with the government, uh, how to deal with the situation when um, some sectors are, have come to complete standstill and what to do, let's say, if that extends over a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I want to uh, draw attention. So we had a poll on the Latvia Weekly Facebook page. So if you're not a member of the Latvia Weekly Facebook page, I would strongly suggest going there and uh, kind of um, well liking it or, or following it because we've been trying to update it as much as possible with uh, coronavirus news. Also other news as well. We have a story of the day every day, even in normal situations, uh, thanks to Andrew and Carlos, our superstar helpers um, from uh, different parts of the world who uh, who update that every day with uh, stories of the day. But uh, from time to time, we do polls. And I put up a poll this morning asking, uh, do you support the measures that the Latvian government has taken to stem the spread of the COVID-19 virus? Please explain why or why not below. Uh, and I promised that we would discuss the results of the poll in today's live stream episode. I said Otto and Joe. I didn't mention you, Chris, because I didn't know if I'd be able to get you or not. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you're here. But we can all discuss this together. So uh, it's very, very interesting because uh, Facebook only allows yes or no. They only allow two options. So what I would have liked to do is had uh, yes, no, they're not strict enough, or no, they're too strict, for example, um, because you know it, I think that would be more interesting to find out. But uh, it was very interesting. 87% of you uh, listeners out there and readers agreed with the measures, and then 13% said no. But it was very, very interesting because there was also about 12 comments, and I would say that the wide majority of those comments were people who strongly disagreed with the measures. So it, it seems like the, the general sense I've been getting, and, and this is also with the people I've friends with on Facebook, because you know it's all everyone's talking about on Facebook, also people out in the community, it seems like there's a silent kind of majority who generally agree with the measures, and then there's some um, very 
you know, b- people with very, very strong opinions who who, who disagree for uh, one reason or another. And I want to go to you, Chris, for a second um, over over in the bottom right, because I know that you have uh, generally been in the camp that uh, these are not the correct actions uh, that, that have been taken. And, um, you know, you, you've uh, been uh, pretty passionately um, describing why, uh, you know, in some of your Facebook posts lately. So um, can, can, can you um, kind of explain your, your, your case for why uh, you don't think that these are the correct measures that the Latvian government has taken? Because there's many, many people out there uh, who agree with you as well. Yeah, well, from my point of view, like, I do agree something must be done. There's obviously a virus making its way around the world, and for some people that virus is fatal, and it's certainly not a joke, and most of the experts say it's likely to expand. But what I'm concerned is that we as a society should not be too dogmatic about things. Like, is it necessarily that the actions we're taking now are absolutely the only correct ones or the best ones, and is it possible that some things we're doing could actually exacerbate this virus rather than help. For example, one issue that's been raised amongst a few people I know who are not keen on this, take for example Italy. You've, you've got the situation where all the schools have been closed down, so the kids are at home. Now chances are the parents are still going to work, so it means the kids are likely to getting, be getting babysitted by the grandparents. Now that feels to me you're putting the most vulnerable in regular close contact with who may, the kids who may very well be the most infected. Because as you know, the kids don't tend to get very sick from this, but they could be carrying it. I'm wondering whether that could actually increase the risk to the most vulnerable people rather than protect anyone. I always think you have to look at the other side of the coin. Mm. The other thing is, even if we do show a bit of self-sacrifice and shut down for a little while, the problem is eventually it's going to hit the economy and it's going to hit it hard. There are going to be businesses that close, there's going to be people who lose jobs, who are left with no income, who cannot pay for rent, cannot pay for food and will not be able to pay for medical bills. And we're going to get to a point where people are going to retaliate. Initially, people will say, yes, we believe in this shutdown, it's good. But there's going to be a matter of time when people stop looking at this minority who are getting sick and even smaller minority who are starting to die. And what they're going to look at is their hip pocket. They're going to see that their lives are going to pieces. And they're going to start wondering whether these lockdowns are causing more disasters than they're saving. And this is where I think we have to look at. We have to examine, are there other ways to stop this spreading? For example, here in Cambodia, there really hasn't been a lockdown. Um, there's only six nationalities banned from the country. Everyone else can come here. It's mostly business as usual. Yes, they have closed down schools in Siem Reap, and about two days ago, schools in Phnom Penh have been closed down. So the kids are learning online, or certainly at the school I'll be teaching at, they're learning online. But when you go out, Cambodians by nature are very quick to put on that face mask. Even if they've just caught a cold, they do that. Um, I've been entering supermarkets where my hands get sprayed with antiseptic. I went to a supermarket the other day and a security guard stopped me and he pointed this little like plastic gun to my head and took my temperature. Um, so it is being taken seriously by the people here. The people are mainly getting on their lives, on with their lives here and quite frankly we're doing okay. Not that many people have reported in Cambodia and mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's died yet. And um, I think maybe if we focus more on hygiene, washing hands, sanitizing hands when we enter somewhere, perhaps start wearing gloves and masks. We might not need to shut down as much as we have. And I'm worried really what we're doing now could bankrupt entire countries and actually make it harder for us to fight this virus at a later date. So I'm a little bit skeptical about what's going on at the moment. Yeah. No, I, I hear you, and I, and I think those are all, you know, very valid concerns, especially about, you know, because New York City, they took a very long time to shut down their school system for exactly that reason, not just that, but also, 
you know, uh, we don't have a childcare infrastructure in America, you know, the, the way that at least Latvia has like a daycare system, for example, you know, it, it's it's not perfect, but, you know, there, there is that kind of infrastructure that doesn't really exist to the same extent in Latvia, uh, in, in America. And, you know, there, there's a worry that a lot of the emergency workers are going to have to stay home with their kids and they're not going to be able to, you know, go, 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 go do their job. So, you know, there, you know, I, I do, I do hear these arguments that, that you're making that other people are making too, but, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, at least from what I've read, and maybe, maybe you can comment on this too, Otto, it seems like the, the experts from the uh, health organizations, from World Health Organization, for example, and, and most of the national government's um, disease control centers, they, they, they seem to think that um, this, the school closures are the best, uh, are the best way forward. Um, and, uh, you know, also in terms of what's, you know, happening in Cambodia, I'm very glad that, you know, nothing major has happened there so far. Same, same here in Latvia. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard to say, is it just that, you know, uh, it's a few weeks away maybe, or maybe the climate's warmer, the virus doesn't spread as well. Maybe like you said, it's, it's some of yeah. the cultural things as well too. You know, it could also be, you know, yes. Italy is a very close, touchy culture. Same with Spain, same with France. Could, could that have an effect on it too? We don't know. We have yes. no idea. You know, and yeah, well, I could just jump in there. Generally speaking, as you said, southern Mediterranean cultures, people are very touchy-feely. They kiss each other when they meet, say goodbye. Cambodians are a little bit more keep your cotton picking hands to yourself. People, it's more hands-off. Um, the other thing is the climate here is as hot as the hobs of hell. Like right now, it's it's 9.40 in the evening here. It's 30 degrees Celsius outside oh. at night. Yeah. And during the day, this solar radiation is very high, and I don't think corona survives long outside the body in hot temperatures with lots of radiation. But the other thing is because Cambodia is a third world country, corona just joins the list of one of the many diseases doing the rounds here. Mm. So Cambodians are naturally very cautious not to get things like dengue fever, malaria. The whole culture is based on not catching anything here. And so people with very little prompting from the government here have swung into action and done what they think they should do. Like for example, my landlord, in the building I live in, out the front there's a little table and he's plonked this little bottle of hand sanitizer there and written in English, free sanitizer for your use. So people coming and going will just sanitize their hands. It's just second nature for people here. They've done what they think they need to do to help minimize it. So other than that, life goes on here. Like I could head out now to a bar or a club or restaurant tonight and it's business as usual. Yeah, and you know, I, I think, like you said, it's it's also part of just people's attitude because I think one of the main reasons why this uh, border closure has been happening is because people physically won't, uh, you know, do do the smart thing. I, I had one, uh, you know, I won't use any names, obviously. I, I had one adult student um, just last Wednesday who was complaining that, oh, now I'm not going to be able to go to Spain because my business isn't letting me. I was like come on you're thinking about going to spain right now on your vacation yeah you know whatever it's not that big a deal you know it's it's because of people like this that we have to completely shut everything down because you know if if we do allow this easy free movement i mean people are going to do really stupid things like auto for example you were saying that uh you have some family members in milan and and uh and, and people are you know going around doing little excursions in in, in uh you know yeah. big public so, places so yeah, so my, my family, uh, part of my family lives in northern Italy, and so uh, they saw that, of course, there were a lot of people who took their restrictions uh, 
according to the uh, letter of the law, but at the same time, uh, well, one of the issues that Italy had also before that and now is that is, that is of course, one of the uh, largest uh, tourist destinations in Europe, I think uh, number two after France and Paris. Mm -hmm. And so uh, now, instead of all of the tourists that uh, came from, let's say, East Asia, uh, now uh, many uh, Italians themselves had the chance, let's say, to go to um, uh, Rio Maggiore or Portofino and enjoy some of these places that usually are cram-packed with people other than Italians. So that certainly did not help. Uh, but uh, now they have uh, been more strict with that and even now travel between the cities uh, has been uh, uh, suspended unless you have, let's say, permission from the doctor or a special permission that there is some kind of work that you have to do that is so significant that they have to let you. Uh, mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, one thing on the increase is home deliveries of food, uh, which has been a way for uh, many Italian restaurants and cafes how to keep in business uh, even despite these restrictions, because if people cannot go to them, uh, then at least they can uh, deliver the food uh, to homes and that has been a, a business lifesaver for quite a few of them. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was talking to a Latvian friend of mine today, he's in Riga, and he's got this theory that this entire coronavirus episode and the need for locking down that governments have, uh, or the path they've taken in locking down countries, could change society forever. He thinks it could boost telecommuting, it could, could increase the incidence of schools being conducted online, subjects being made available online. He thinks it will actually uh, probably be a big boost to the whole uh, telecommuting concept and people working from home. Like even when the lockdown is no longer needed, this may sort of become a thing that goes on in the future. Like he, he's looking at very much in terms of the societal changes that will come from this. Yeah, I agree because I think that's similar as we, for example, had seen in the field of uh, energy, like with the oil shock in 1973, and also like with the uh, um, these problems with gas deliveries uh, starting from 2013. So, like once things like these happen that affect uh, whole blocks of society, then uh, then only we have to uh, start to think about like what alternatives there could be so that we could uh, still keep the quality of life that we expect. Absolutely, it's um, you know it's it's a very 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 delicate balance. Uh, we, we'll we'll discuss some of the more economic issues in just a second. I just want to um, draw uh, attention to one thing uh, regarding the measures uh, that we discussed earlier. So uh, th there was a report by uh, Letta, the Latvian news agency, uh, yesterday that there's already been at least 14 cases of people breaching emergency measures. That's probably gone up by now. But uh, yes, police are actually going around uh, and doing checks. Uh, so for those of you who um, you know are, are not taking this seriously, you know the, 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 there are uh, you know people. Uh, Police giving out fines, not to everybody, obviously, um, but uh, you know they, uh, you know, do do want you to uh, take this, take these measures uh, seriously. So, um, anyway, let's let's do talk about the economy now because you know th this has been the big elephant in the room. We've kind of uh, skated around the issue quite a few times, but there already has been major, major fallout. Um, you know, we, we, we could we could just look at the global scale of this, you know, in terms of uh, what's been happening in America with the uh, stock exchanges in America, um, also with uh, some, you know, layoffs that have been happening in America. And, you know, I, I have family members who are already, you know, at least temporarily losing their jobs. It's it's becoming a very, very ugly situation because they work in, you know, uh, different uh, service service industries and they're not needed right now. Uh, but, you know, here in Latvia, the big news has been about Air Baltic. You know, they're talking about laying off a significant, significant part of their staff. They've already laid off about a third of their staff. This is one of the, you know, biggest and most um, well-known companies here in Latvia. Uh, but, of course, you know, there aren't any flight attendants needed at this time. 
and uh, you know also a lot of other personnel as well. And um, you know they're. I, I can't help but imagine, you know, like as, as Chris, as you were talking earlier, you know, uh, I wouldn't say that Latvia is completely as much of a tourist-based economy or Riga is as much of a tourist-based economy as, uh, you know, some of the cities in Italy or France. Uh, but, you know, a, a lot of the economy does is based now off of, um, you know, the service sectors of uh, hotels, restaurants. This is a big part of, uh, you know, um, the, how, how things work, especially in Riga. And these are all going to take massive, massive, massive hits. And the big question is, how do we go forward. And uh, maybe, Otto, you can comment on this. There have been talks, uh, you know, both by the European Central Bank to free up some um, funding and, and some some, uh, some some money into, you know, to uh, send to some banks. And then also uh, here in Latvia, there is talk about a, uh, from what I've read, 1 billion euro uh, kind of emergency fund. So what exactly would that entail? How would that look? And, and, and also, um, as, as somebody who focuses more on economic issues than I do, um, how, how do you uh, kind of evaluate it so far, Otto? So in the case of the 1 billion that you mentioned, uh, that uh, apparently is the uh, amount of uh, money uh, that is currently available at uh, the state coffers, uh, both uh, part of the uh, tax income that is there, uh, some like uh, deposits from previous years, and also uh, some uh, money that has been loaned to Latvia uh, under uh, presumably better uh, um, rates uh, that is there, that uh, the Prime Minister uh, had told us that uh, could be earmarked for uh, a number of measures in supporting the economy in this time. Because uh, one measure that they have been discussing is that uh, the, um, for example, these um, uh, sick leaves that would extend over, let's say, two weeks or would uh, require these additional measures could be then uh, perhaps covered by the state uh, instead of the employer. Um, uh, even up to 100%. So that's something that they're discussing and probably they will come out with a decision on this. Uh, that is, of course, also the question of the um, unemployment benefits because uh, on the one hand, uh, here we can see uh, this uh, positive side for those people who are um, employed officially, as in the case of the airbotic employees who are going to be laid off, uh, they will be able uh, to uh, sustain almost the same quality of life as they will. Uh, they ought to receive, uh, many of them, uh, these uh, um, unemployment benefits for uh, several months. So um, uh, presumably uh, after this uh, suspension is over, it will be possible uh, for them to uh, get back their jobs. So at least this is um, a safety cushion at least this period uh, up to a year uh, if it takes that long. Uh, of course, then there is the problem for people who are uh, employed unofficially or people who uh, pay uh, a little if any tax because then in the cases of layoffs, uh, there is almost no social uh, security except of uh, any, uh, let's say, deposits um, uh, that people uh, might have been uh, wise enough uh, to plan for, but that uh, I would assume would not be the majority of cases. Um, so uh, perhaps uh, there might be also some government involvement in uh, some of the measures that the banks have announced. For example, uh, today I read the news that a sweat bank is considering a six months uh, credit uh, holidays, meaning that the payments for the loans um, by uh, sweat bank, which is uh, one of the top three largest banks in Latvia. Uh, 
um, that uh, that would be um, uh, certainly something very useful for those businesses whose uh, money inflow stops for uh, a couple of months due to a lack of uh, customers. So uh, there have been a number of meetings, a number of discussions, and of course this has been a very uh, extraordinary now, but not many uh, plans in play in the public and private sector. I'm happy to see that they are talking they are discussing this that some solutions might be found in the coming days mm -hmm. yeah because I mean we're, we're gonna need big 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 thinking with this right now because uh, you know what, what, what we've seen in uh, you know especially in America right now happening with the with the economic consequences I, I think you know here here in Europe um, we're, we're not going to be any safer uh, you know we, we have the same kind of kind of uh, problems that are happening right now. You know, I, I, I've seen, um, you know, this gone from being talking about, you know, are we going to have some kind of big recession? You know, I, I've seen the D word, you know, we, we use the B word to talk about Brexit, but uh, people are talking about the D word now about, you know, are we going to have some kind of, you know, new depression? You know, is this going to be a repeat of the Great Depression now um, with, with all the economic fallout that's going to happen? Um, and, and one thing I want to draw attention to, I, I've been seeing there's some talk about people even going to banks, you know, trying to get uh, a lot of cash out, uh, you know, worrying that the banks are going to have problems, which again, you know, if there is some kind of, um, you know, bank panic, if people start drawing cash out, that really does cause a big problem because 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 it's very hard for the bank to survive that. And I and I just and I just want to mention that um, okay, yes, if if this happens, if yeah, you run to the bank and, and empty out your entire savings in cash, and the whole system collapses, well, good luck because that that, ca that, that cash is going to be useful as, uh, as as toilet paper, you know, uh, as uh, you know, which has been exceedingly difficult to to go find. So you know, I, I just um, you know, just just like people are. You know, out, out panic buying everything right now. You know, please don't rush to the bank and 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 uh, you know cause an even bigger problem because then then we're really in trouble. You know, if everyone starts panicking, losing confidence in the financial system, then then good luck. You know, so so please don't be stupid. You know, please don't. Yeah, uh, I could I could probably jump in there as an Australian citizen. I was actually quite disgusted by the behaviour of my fellow Australians with that stupid toilet paper panic that went on. I mean, toilet paper is not food. It's not an essential. There's so many workarounds to toilet paper. But what I've admired amongst the Cambodian people is there's no panic here. Mm -hmm. You go to the supermarkets, there's all the toilet paper you want, there's all the food there. People just buy what they need and they leave. There hasn't been people stockpiling or going bananas here. But I think it is important to point out that these panic buyouts do not serve anyone's interests. And if it was to hit the banks, if there was a bank run and everyone starts pulling their money, it could send the banks to the wall. And if that happens, we are in... As we know, we're in deep, deep. I won't say what. Yeah, but but and then and then you know what's the what's what's the use of having a bunch of you know euro bills if if it's you know not worth anything? So just don't you know just don't do anything stupid. Uh, anyway, Otto, I, I know you want to jump in. Yeah, because the, the, there is no threat of the bank system going down, and we we can be sure of the uh, stability because. They, although there are sectors such as the uh, airlines and let's say uh, hotels, so that the tourism industry uh, that has been uh, heavily affected by this, we have to remember that the uh, cargo flow, um, in contrast to the passenger flow, is still open. So the business is going on, and those businesses uh, that can uh, do, uh, let's say, without uh, tourists and without airplanes are fine uh, because even like through the airport, the cargo uh, traffic is going. Going through, uh, so uh, certainly this will have an uh, effect of the uh, on the economy. And already there were some forecasts that uh, there certainly will be an imprint of this. Uh, 
uh, in, in countries such as Italy, you already had uh, this um, not so shiny economic uh, forecast in the last quarter. So uh, at least economically, I don't think that we have to blow it out of proportion. And certainly mm -hmm. also in the case of toilet paper, we don't have to go mad, especially if you're talking about a respiratory uh, infection uh, instead of any other ailment. So be cautious and let's have reserves, but at the same time, let's not lose common sense. Yeah, and, and Otto, I mean, we, we've been saying for weeks now that, you know, it is always good to have two weeks of supplies, you know, just ready at any at any moment, because you never know, there can be a storm, there can be something else, you know, like we, you know, my, you know, my, my family, we try to have, you know, some extra food that we rotate out just because, you know, if, if there's like, we had a big storm here, uh, all throughout Europe. And, you know, if there's a bunch of trees down power out, then, you know, the stores might be shut that's smart to have in any case because yes it is possible yeah. to be quarantined you know you you might not be able to go to the store and eat that doesn't mean that you need to take your entire month's uh you know wages and go to the store and empty out all of the perishable non-perishable goods because yeah. that that's just selfish i mean what, what are you going to do with all that <laughs> you know i mean you know it's it's just and especially the toilet paper too you know i, I wrote on facebook a couple of days ago i really hope that you know if you're one of those people out there who stockpiled all the toilet paper and nobody else has it right now you know start reaching out to your friends and family because i legitimately have friends and family in america who cannot get toilet paper and you know like i mean you know this sounds kind of funny but it's really not you know i there, there's going to be pump plumbing issue soon you know because 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 uh, because people are going to start getting desperate so, so just anyway just keep your heads you know like of course yes it's good to have some extra supplies but don't you know and, and it's it's interesting actually here in in latvia in uh, most of the supermarkets uh you know the the shelves which have been kind of empty are, are the ones with uh grichi, which is buckwheat uh which is not really a thing anywhere else i just call it grichi because nobody ever has any idea what buckwheat is uh outside of latvia or you know outside of this region but uh but it, it's a really great um it's not a grain it's actually technically a seed i guess it's like a roasted seed um and it's it's kind of similar to rice you can it tastes good with just about anything i mean um i i i, I, I love grichi. What, what what about you guys are, are you grichi fans Yes, I am, and I um, have quite a few of it. Yeah. I must admit, I, I'm a fan too. I quite like it, but that would be unusual for people from my part of the world. I consider myself yeah. quite an exception there. But it's just funny, you know, it's, it's kind of become a little bit of a, of a running joke or a meme here in Latvia that people are stockpiling grichi here while other people are stockpiling toilet paper. But, you know, anyway, um, and then also, you know, rice, uh, pasta, things like that. And what's really interesting is that the bottom shelf stuff, so the, the cheapest, you know, off-brand stuff is the stuff that's gone. The most expensive stuff is still there. But, you, you know, mo most most foods you can still get because the, the Latvian supply chain is completely fine, you know, right now. Um, and yeah. I, I, you know, yeah, like Oh, sorry, I'll let you finish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, the, the last thing I wanted to say, and, and I'll, I'll hand it to you, Chris, because uh, this is going off of a point that you made, that uh, we haven't really seen this in Cambodia, we haven't really seen this in Latvia. You know, I think one of the issues is that also people here don't have massive salaries where they can spend thousands of dollars worth of, uh, you know, toilet paper they don't need and, and other things like that. And, and it's probably the same in Cambodia. So I, th I think, you know, th th that's actually one of the issues, too, is that, you know, people just physically can't go out and, and, and spend all that money on uh, you know these ridiculous kind of panic runs. So, um, but anyway, uh, so so Chris, I'll, I'll hand it to you. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say. Also, I think um, what people need to do is rather than panicking, have a little bit more confidence in government authorities. I mean, Europe is a highly developed place in the world. It's quite well coordinated. No government here is ever going to let people starve to death. Like they're always going to make sure food gets in somehow. They're going to make sure it's getting distributed somehow. So just on that alone, there's no real need to run out to a supermarket here 
start grabbing food. I mean, it's not the same as if a tropical cyclone hits, like we get in the north of Australia, where the food supply actually does get shut down. Um, there's nothing that physically impedes food coming into Latvia. And I, I sort of think there would, there would always be positions in, in place to make sure people can get food. So I would call on everyone in Europe, chill out, just, just relax. There's no need to go running to the supermarket and destroying your life savings on baked beans and tuna or whatever. Yeah. Exactly, because we do have a surplus of food in here, so th that shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> you know, what's funny, one, one of the uh, <laughs> articles I read on, I, th I think it was like a TV net or something, one of the portals here, just the day before the emergency measures and people started running the supermarkets is, does Latvia really need so many supermarkets? Because because there's been a lot of talk that we have too many supermarkets here. Well, you know, <laughs> they, uh, they, they certainly don't feel like that right now, uh, certainly, but... Um, yeah. Anyway, there's there's just uh, two other points I want to make about. I, I don't want to only talk about coronavirus today. We've already been talking about it for you know almost three quarters of an hour. But uh, two other points I just want to make real quick. One is that um, you know there's been a lot of talk going around that ah this isn't really that serious. Oh, you know the flu has a higher you know amount of deaths, and you know there's other things that cause a lot of deaths. Well, yeah, okay, that's technically true, but. You know, compared to even you know swine flu back in in two thousand nine two thousand ten, you know the, the difference here is that uh, the rate which it spreads and and also the severity of the symptoms that it causes with certain people, it just caused a complete uh, overrun of the uh, of the hospital system. And we, we we've seen in Italy so far, and and we're starting to see horror stories in France and and even parts of America. I've, I've you know there's even certain towns in America where it's been completely overrun. And you know the 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 thing I just want to mention, I've been I've been telling this to people all week, is that uh, yeah. Yes, okay, you personally might be totally fine, you know, because all three of us here, we're all, you know, young, healthy people, and we're probably not going to um, get very sick even if we catch uh, the virus, which is actually the virus itself is called uh, SARS-CoV-2, which feels like a real flashback to 2003, um, and, and the disease it causes is called, uh, called COVID-19. But anyway, um, you know, but, but the issue is, okay, so say, you know, uh, the, the hospitals are just completely overrun with patients to the extent where, you know, they, they have people, you know, intense outside, as we've seen in Italy, places like that, you know, well, you know, say one of us breaks our leg, say one of us, you know, has some other issue, uh, and we have to go to the hospital, well, then, you know, now, now it's suddenly a problem for us. And it's a, it's a problem for, for anyone else who's sick or w with any other reason. So, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, it, it might feel like we're kind of overreacting for, you know, only a small percentage of the population, which, uh, you know, is really at risk, but, but it becomes a big problem for us if, if all of a sudden our health system is shut down and, you know, then we suddenly start caring. So, you know, that's, that's yeah, and, uh, we, we have to know that the government has taken a number of measures also in regard to, uh, the healthcare system capacity. Uh, one thing that they had announced is that, uh, there, uh, there are uh, 1,000 hospital beds ready in case uh, there would be like so many cases in Latvia. So currently mm -hmm. it is below 100. Uh, so um, uh, our capacity has been at least well planned for the foreseeable future. Uh, at the same time, it is uh, indeed the case uh, what uh, you mentioned, Joe, and also uh, what uh, Chris mentioned earlier. Um, with a, a case of, uh, let's say, uh, children uh, being let uh, to stay by their grand, uh, grandmother or grandfather. Uh, there, ha there was a case actually yesterday, they discussed that on the Latvian television, that for example uh, one uh, relatively uh, young Latvian citizen had returned home from one of uh, these trips and uh, he visited, uh, I, I think it was either uh, his mother or uh, father. and. Uh, uh, it seemed to be the case that 
uh, he did not have so uh, very strong symptoms of the case, but apparently his elderly relative uh, uh, became another case because of this uh, passing this virus along. So that is the case that even if uh, we ourselves might be fine, we have to um, take care and uh, take into account uh, our um, other relatives that might not be in such a strong position as we are. For example, I just uh, had a, an elderly relative that came out of a hospital with a cardiovascular condition, mm -hmm. so I know that probably I won't be visiting for, let's say, at least the next two weeks, so to be sure that uh, in addition to all the troubles that my relative has, uh, the coronavirus wouldn't be something uh, on top of this. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, we, we can react without panicking, you know, and we, we can take it seriously. We don't have to panic. But but there, there's somewhere in between because, you know, there, there's some people saying that we have to completely, you know, basically like uh, handcuff ourselves to our, uh, you know, beds until until this all goes away. There's some people saying that we should just continue life as usual. I've heard some horrible horrible, you know, things of like, oh, well, you know, they're already old anyway, they're already, you know, on their way out, you know, just heartless things from people like that, you know, okay, th those are two extremes, you know, th th there's something in the middle, I think we can all agree with that, that, that we have to take it seriously, and we have to be smart about it, you know, we do have to be critical about the way that we react, um, you know, both to the virus itself, and also about the economic fallout. And uh, the, the one last thing I wanted to say just before we move on from coronavirus, finally, uh, and this is, you know, I, I think something that both of you guys are going to agree with is that, you know, this is going to be a very, very painful time. This is going to be, I think, you know, I, I, I already, uh, you know, I've been saying this even last week, you know, I, I think this is going to be the really first tough year for the Western world in general since, you know, probably the end of the Second World War. I know, you know, other places in the world have had very, very tough years. You know, even in Latvia, you know, at the end of the Soviet Union, there was um, some some very, very tough years. But I think this is going to be the first really tough year that we have kind of in general as Western society. And, you know, we all need to step up. We all need to, you know, check on our our neighbors. We all need to check on our, our family members. You know, even if it's as simple as just calling people who we think might be lonely, you know, or who might be anxious, who might just want somebody to talk to. And also, you know, s some of us have money saved away right now. Some of us don't. You know, so some of us live, uh, you know, paycheck to paycheck. Some of us are lucky enough to have a little bit of savings. But we're all going to have to you know, help each other out right now because, you know, we're all in this together. You know, it's it's not like this is, a, you know, some kind of biological attack like some people have been trying to make this into. It's not time to point fingers. It's not time to, you know, turn to some kind of questionable, you know, or can we trust the scientists or can we trust the politician, this or that? You know, every everyone's in this. You know, we're, we're all trying our best and we just got to help each other. We got to try to be constructive. We got to try to, you know, do, do the best we can to just make sure we get through this. And I, I, th I think you guys can agree with that too. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, basically, uh, I don't think this is something that's going to go away quickly. I don't think this is something that will be over in 30 days. And whatever happens, it will require society to pull together just a little bit more tightly uh, than we have in the past. Uh, no matter how we approach this, no matter what we agree on or disagree on, it's definitely going to require just that little bit more of a team effort, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys ready to move on from coronavirus-based news to other issues? Finally, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, well, uh, we already talked about the Riga municipal election that's going to be postponed. Uh, so will our episode about the uh, candidates because that actually, you know, gives time for some uh, for some yeah. <laughs> certain parties who haven't really gotten their act together yet to uh, to kind of um, you know. It, 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 it's like I, I almost feel like you know it's this dark version of. Um, I don't know, probably neither of you guys had snow days really, but but in Maine we used to get so much snow. Like sometimes we get half a meter of snow in one night, so they'd have to close school. 
uh, you know, just because so many people drove to school or took snow buses and and the government basically just needed people off the road so they could plow them. Uh, so, you know, th- there'd be certain times where there was a test and then the next day it looked like it might snow a lot and people were like, uh, you know, maybe it's going to snow. Maybe I don't have to study for it. Maybe it's going to be okay. And then, you know, we turn on the news in the morning like, oh, phew. You know, it, it, the school was canceled. So, I, you know, I, I feel like there, there might be a few political parties who are, uh, you know, like not thankful that the situation's happening, but definitely are going to take advantage of having some time to get their acts together because, uh, you know. Well, for some it will be a benefit, but I think for some of it uh, will be uh, not so good in the sense that some of the steam that they try to use it uh, uh, in pr- preparing the situation will actually go off and people might for get what were some of the reasons why actually people were angry with the uh, existing uh, convocation of the city council and why there is the need for the new one. So there will both be winners and losers out of this delay. Which, to be honest, was yeah, very saying, Oh, yeah, go, go, go on, Chris. Yeah, I was just saying there's a saying, a week is a long time in politics, and uh, this, they're getting quite a few weeks out of this, I think. Yeah. Well, a week's a long time just in this world, right? I mean, just think like a, a week ago, you know, I mean, less than a week ago, I, I was at you know, normal day of school. There was no talk that there could be any, you know, shutdown of school or anything. I mean, life has completely changed. So, you know, the the, the fact, I, I think people are going to kind of scratch their heads right now, like, oh, who's the mayor? Huh? <laughs> you know, because people yeah. have kind of forgotten, like, oh, yeah, there was some administrator uh, appointed by the government. Uh, you know, what, what's his name even? I mean, can, can, you even, can you even name who the administrator is off the top of your head? I mean, you, you, you're, you're the walking encyclopedia of uh, political knowledge. I think, I think n- nobody even cares right now. We're, we're all just trying, trying our best to get through this crisis. Well, you know, probably I'm also one of them because I cannot recall him from my, the top of my head either. Yeah, and, and, and for Otto, that's, that, that's a big issue. I got nothing. Yeah, so... <laughs> Anyway, uh, no, but but they're, they're, whoever it is is going to be uh, very, very busy right now. So uh, one very, very interesting uh, kind of a tidbit of news. Normally, this might even be kind of the top story of the week, um, but administrative territorial reform, this project, which uh, all three of us have been talking about. Chris, you, you've been um, talking about this quite a bit as well because you did a big bicycle trip this summer through some of Latvia's outer regions, uh, through some of the regions that are going to be most affected by these territorial changes. But basically, there's a plan to um, decrease the amount of uh, counties here in Latvia, or we call them Nuovadi, uh, and also um, you know uh, the cities of the Republic from uh, about 120 down to about just 40. And there's been a big uh, debate over what is the correct amount, and and there's been some certain exceptions that have been made here and there. Uh, very interestingly, so this was the second reading in Saima Latvian Parliament. Uh, so the opposition parties were going through something kind of like we have in America the the filibuster, um, you know, where they'd go through and kind of um, you know debate every single little amendment to try to take as long as possible to you know kind of as a form of protest. And, you know, th- this was the day before kind of the emergency measures were passed. Uh, so so what happened was, you know, they tabled it. They talked about the emergency measures. They passed those. They went back to territorial reform. The opposition basically withdrew all of their, uh, you know, uh, objections, and they, they just passed it for now because there's still going to be one more final reading. They can discuss it then. They certainly will. They're certainly going to debate it then. Um, you know, but, but it is nice. I mean, you know, I, I know everyone loves to complain about, you know, every other political party that they don't like, you know, and some people just like to complain about the government in general. But it was kind of this nice show that they can take this, Seriously, that you know they're not going to just use this as an attempt to to bicker about this or that, and 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 that uh, you know they 
you know, when when push comes to shove, where there is this kind of major crisis that affects everyone, you know, they were able to step up and 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 kind of get that through and and push this if, issue off, um, which isn't as essential right now uh, to a later date. Um, but uh, but I, I don't think this is the last we're going to be hearing about this. I think when they have that final reading, they're definitely uh, there's going to be some fierce debate. Well, what what do you, what do you think, Otto? Certainly, because probably uh, no one, uh, no, none of the parties wanted to remain the last one who is trying to make some kind of additional debate uh, on this administrative reform in the time when you have borders closing and thousands of Latvian citizens being stuck somewhere in the middle abroad. So um, it, it was a nice gesture from all of them, uh, but probably that will not be the last of it because, well, they might go through with it in the parliament uh, and that's very likely that they might even have consensus on it. At the same time, uh, that is now guaranteed that, let's say, the municipalities themselves uh, would not go to the constitutional court and then uh, uh, try to uh, change the law like this and then uh, the administrative uh, reform in um, for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to be hearing uh, quite quite a bit more about this in the in the near future. So the so that uh, final reading is in uh, May, from what I understand. But that that could be postponed as well too, because we don't know how long this crisis is going to continue. Um, another very interesting story. This could also have been, you know, in a normal week, you know, uh, the, this could have been the top story. But uh, so Ralphs Nemiro, who is the Minister of Economics from the KPVLV party. This was the party uh, that became very, very popular during the 2018 election founded by Artis Kaiminch and also led in that election by Aldous Guobzems as their prime minister, uh, two kind of superstars of Latvian political social media uh, and kind of among the more conspiratorial and populist crowd. So they uh, came sweeping into Saima. They got the second most amount of votes throughout the country. Uh, and they also got the uh, they tied for the second most amount of seats with 16 they don't have so many anymore because uh, both uh, Mr. Gorbzims and Mr. Kaimans, the two leaders, uh, have basically both been kicked out of the party for uh, different reasons, different ways. Uh, a lot of people have left the party for for other reasons as well. It's uh, it's not not as shiny as it used to be. Uh, but uh, Otto, can you explain why uh, Mr. Nemiro had to had to leave um, the position uh, and and why he was not able to uh, maintain his security clearance? What what, what the issue is there? So, um, as we know, uh, one of the um, of the very valuable thing to have um, is to have a security clearance, uh, both for the national uh, documents that involve uh, state secrets and also uh, the issues of uh, uh, NATO and European uh, Union secrets. Uh, and here, apparently, uh, the case has been uh, that. Uh, Initially, when uh, Mr. Nemiro became the minister, uh, he already uh, received this uh, temporary uh, short-term uh, um, security clearance, uh, which means that uh, apparently from the initial um, checks that they did, it was possible to give him out this uh, permit. Uh, at the same time, there uh, might have been some issues uh, that needed uh, additional uh, research and clarification. And um, I'm not exactly sure uh, what is the circumstance uh, with uh, Mr. Nemiro because uh, uh, apparently, especially since the changes uh, in the legislation, uh, the 
security services uh, explain or give the reasoning to the person uh, why this clearance has been uh, rejected. Um, at the same time, uh, there is no obligation on his part to uh, share this with the general public. Mm -hmm. uh, if we could, uh, look at some uh, other occasions where this has happened, uh, a very frequent occasion has been the case of uh, simply uh, lying or not telling the truth because security services, at least in the case of Latvia, they are not employing uh, people, they work very well, so if you lie to them it's usually possible for them to find it out. And so uh, that's the matter of trust, which is uh, one of the most important aspects. Uh, then uh, some other issues uh, that could be uh, with uh, losing the clearance are, um, you can look it up uh, in the law, it could be the question that perhaps uh, a person has dependencies such as with uh, alcohol and uh, drugs or other um, um, substances uh, that are uh, forbidden, uh, for example also uh, gambling issues, that could uh, make it a problem uh, for the person if he has this position of state authority, uh, that could make it possible for let's say um, any uh, other institution or agency from another country to, um, to try to employ this weakness against this person. So there's a variety of reasons and uh, let's see whether uh, Mr. Namiro will speak more on this. But it seems that uh, they have decided not to make a big fight out of this, especially uh, during uh, the uh, coronavirus uh, uh, crisis, similarly like with the administrative reform. Uh, and uh, the KPV party will not leave the government, but rather choose uh, another candidate uh, to keep it together. Because they have said that they could leave the government, uh, that of course they can do, but as they are not exactly 16, but um, a, a smaller number, uh, such a gesture would not make a difference, uh, let's say, as it did at the time when they made the coalition. Certainly not. Um, so m now, uh, Chris, I wanted to go for you for a second because uh, Mr. Nimiro is actually kind of an interesting figure. Uh, and uh, I know that he was very popular among some of your Facebook friends, some some of the uh, kind of more conspiratorial uh, kind of anti-corruption uh, uh, kind of uh, oriented uh, Facebook friends that you have, and and Mr. Namiro was very very popular at first among among this group. He he made some very bold proclamations that he was going to uh, you know in investigate some some charges that had been made, and then uh, it, it, it was kind of interesting that he just kind of disappeared. He he uh, he made this one Facebook post uh, where where he made some very strong statements, some very strong. Uh, proclamations, and then and then he never kind of went back to them, and, and people kind of pointed them out later. Um, do, do do you would you say, Chris, that he kind of lost the support of uh, kind of the, the, this this segment of um, I don't know the, uh, the 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 vote? It it was a little bit disappointing because um, in the lead up to the election, he made a post on Facebook which was a very unequivocal statement about Parex Bank and allegations of corruption involved in the bailout of Parex Bank. And you're probably aware this is um, a very passionate issue for um, one of our um, regular watchers and listeners, Mr. John Christmas, who was heavily involved with that. And for us, this was a great moment because it was a Latvian politician coming out and made a very strong statement about that. Then he got into government, got into a very significant position, and we didn't hear a thing about it since. So we were a little bit disappointed. We thought he might have done a lot more yeah. than what he said in the lead-up of the election. It seemed to be the issue vanished from his plate. So I, I was personally quite disappointed. I, I went in th sort of thinking he might get into his position and then use that position to sort of raise certain issues uh, pertaining to corruption in Latvia, yeah. which he appears not to have. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think that's kind of how people feel in general about KPVLV is that they you know made these very bold uh, you know uh, plans of action that they were going to do this and that and then uh, we haven't really seen much of that and I, I think their their support base is more or less kind of collapsed. It certainly seems like it auto at least from um, you know from a polling perspective. So uh, I don't I don't I don't know how they're going to do, but it'll be very interesting to see in the local election if they uh, you know are able to kind of make a little bit of a yeah. comeback. So. Um, I can give you my prediction. I think uh, KPV is kaput. They're finished. They're not going to survive. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to be doing very well. Uh, anyway, um, I think. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, just just one last um, uh, thing to mention. We didn't actually mention the name of the new economics minister who has been uh, named, but that is Mr. Janis uh, Wittenbergs, who uh, has been proposed as the new minister of economics. So he is going to have quite an interesting job to do in the next couple of months. So we wish him the best of luck in uh, trying to right the economic ship, which will be, um, I don't know. I, I certainly, I mean, if there's one job I would want to have right now. Oh, God. But would, would yes, any... I was thinking that that is a very unenviable position for a very brave politician. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Would you, would you rather be health minister or economics minister right now? I don't, I don't even know. Um, I'd rather be here in Cambodia teaching. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, there, there's neither of those ministries that I want. Uh, I can't imagine anyone queuing up for the job, that's for sure. Oh, geez. Well, anyway, a uh, c- couple other small stories before we start to wrap up, because we've already gone a little bit over. Thanks for sticking with us. I know, you know, I, I, I hope this has been interesting for you just hearing about Corona, because, you know, I, it's probably all most of you have been, you know, hearing about, talking about, but, you know, it, it's something that everyone kind of wants to talk about. So, um, so a uh, c- c- couple other non-Corona related stories before we start to wrap up. Um, one is that Latvia's Banka has joined this new uh, initiative with other global central banks. Uh, this is the Network for Greening the Financial System. And uh, so from what I understand, this doesn't quite have to do with uh, money laundering or anything like that. It has to do with uh, climate change and a transition to uh, an environmentally friendly uh, kind of a paradigm, which we need to go to, because even though right now we're all concerned only about uh, kind of surviving this current crisis, you know, the, there still is, uh, you know, the, the the climate issue, which is not going away anytime soon. Um, so a, a, any any comments on this initiative, Otto? Um, it's a, a good idea, um, because um, it hopefully will not only benefit government, but also will make a better use of the resources that an uh, institution with its own budget uh, will have. So hopefully uh, this uh, idea, um the guidance of you and uh, could be one of the achievements of this institution. Yeah, very good. I, I think we're, we're we're losing your connection a little bit, Otto. Um, but uh, let's uh, l- l- let's get through a few more stories real quick. Um, so one very interesting one is that uh, there is one social business up in Valmira, uh, which is uh, creating uh, recycled PET. So there's one type of uh, recycled plastic bikinis. So, so you can make. Uh, b- they're making bikinis out of recycled plastic, uh, which uh, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I, I don't have any idea when it comes to uh, to style or anything. But, but, but these look pretty cool. You, you can you can go to the English version of of LSM uh, and uh, and check this out. Uh, so. Um, you know, that, that, that's nice, uh, you know, some positive news that uh, when finally we're able to go back to the beach, we can go in uh, recycled plastic uh, swimwear. I don't know. W- w- would you guys be interested in recycled plastic swimwear? Um, I probably wouldn't look really good in that, particularly if it's a tight fit. But I think there are some young women who would look absolutely beautiful in that kind of attire. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> okay. 
Well, you know, uh, as long as the swimwear uh, um, fits its purpose, then I think it's not a bad idea that it uh, uses uh, recycled material and does not uh, uh, provide any more uh, waste than we already have. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's just nice to, to you know, to see that uh, people are forward thinking and that, you know, here in Latvia, um, you know, there's creative ways to kind of uh, you know, de- deal with some of these issues about, uh, you know, consumption and things like that. Yeah. So certainly, I think this is actually a good thing for Latvia that there are people out there using their brains and coming up with these things and then making them the reality. Because the more people we have in Latvia doing that, the better the country will be, honestly. So it's a good thing. Just I think the world could go without seeing me in uh, plastic swimwear. I think they survive perfectly well. I, 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 th- I think I think I would also survive perfectly well, Chris. Thank, th- thank you for putting the image in my mind, though. Um, so <laughs> anyway, you sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think we all need to work on our uh, beach bodies. But uh, anyway, so uh, l- one other story, uh, which uh, is also about people trying to do the right thing, but maybe not quite. Uh, succeeding in that. So, you know, we, there's a lot of different charities, a lot of different organizations that can take uh, secondhand clothing, which is great because, you know, it it could be sold in charity shops. It can also be donated to people who who need such clothing. Uh, But the problem is a lot of people have been donating basically whatever they want and have been cleaning out the uh, junk in their closets that can no longer really be used. So there's a story on the English version of LSM that uh, one charity foundation, Otra Elpa, which is uh, kind of translates into second breath, like, you know, like a, or second wind, I think would be the more term that we use in English more often. Uh, so, so just recently they, uh, at, at one charity event, they had to spend basically 8,000 euros in garbage disposal bills uh, based on all the uh, junk clothing that was uh, donated to them. So please, you know, it, it's great if you want to, uh, you know, if there's a sweater you don't wear anymore, you know, I, I probably also need to empty out my closet because there's also a bunch of, you know, clo- uh, shirts that I've worn once or twice and just don't look very good on me because nothing looks good on me, basically. There's there's just a couple of things. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't throw out that, you know, pair of jeans you've worn since the 80s that has a bunch of holes in them you know i mean throw it out just don't don't uh you know donate it because you know just think that they have to do something with it you know and and you know they're they're not just because there's uh needy people it doesn't mean that you know we we have to disrespect them and give them like absolute garbage uh you know in terms of clothes so just you know be be smart about that yeah yeah we have to be uh, more selective about this yeah Absolutely. Um, this, this is a problem that happens in Australia too. Um, we've got two major agencies, the Brotherhood of St. Lawrence and St. Vincent de Paul, who are commonly known as St. Vinnie's, and people just use their place where you're supposed to you know, put clothes that can be reused. They use it as a dumping place, and it causes a lot of problems for those agencies too. Yeah, well, uh, anyway, uh, one, one, one other uh, story from the domestic side before we kind of uh, wrap up. Uh, so there is a very interesting archaeological excavation that's happening in the old town, and I didn't actually know this was an archaeological expedition. Um, but but this is uh, so so I, I think you've probably been here as well, Chris. This is in uh, Dome Square, so near the Dome Cathedral. There's this big. Uh, kind of like outdoor deck. Uh, there's this one restaurant there, and it's kind of changed names a few times. Uh, right now it's called uh, Domodars. Uh, it's this kind of like little summer terrace, and there's like some different little restaurants there. And it's this big deck, and, uh, you know, I, I saw that there was a bunch of construction there, and I thought, oh, they must be renovating it, and they must be doing some pipe work. But it's actually a massive um, archaeological uh, ex- uh, uh, excavation, so they're searching for different 
artifacts there. So um, very, very interesting to see what will happen um, there. Apparently, they're also planning on building another hotel. I, I don't know if that will happen anymore, you know, considering that uh, we, we already have quite a few hotels and they're going to be hurting uh, pretty soon. But, uh, but in any case, hopefully we will have some new uh, kind of archaeological treasures from that, uh, from, 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 these, uh, from these digs. So something cool to look forward to, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, so nor- normally, normally we talk about international news at this point. Uh, do, do you think there's anything about coronavirus or other international stories we haven't covered yet? Um, is there anything else you just want to mention, Otto, before? Um, I, I think we have covered most of it. There have been uh, some news that uh, there have been uh, possibly uh, the uh, vaccine for the coronavirus found or perhaps like these formulas that have been like found and they are now tested uh, uh, both in uh, Germany, in Israel, in uh, some other places. Uh, And there was also this uh, debate uh, between uh, some countries about, let's say, trying to buy over the companies and these research that is being done. So that's certainly an issue for many countries. And let's hope that uh, this possible vaccine will go successfully throughout the uh, clinical testing and uh, that uh, it, we will be able to, to start using it uh, as soon as possible. That yeah. would be probably the main international news yeah. that we should follow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, and the, also this... Oh, oh, go on, Chris. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I'll let you go. Yeah. Well, I just want yeah, to mention... Yeah, there's also talks... To- no. <laughs> See, the, 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 this, this is a unique technical challenge right now that we have because there's like a little, a tiny little delay between us. So we, we both trying to be polite. It's, it's like, you know, when two people are in the hallway and they're trying to walk by each other and they both move to the left, they both move to the right. Uh, so I, I'll just talk because I guess I'm the loudest right now and then I'll let you talk. Uh, I, I just wanted to mention this is not the best time to be a, uh, you know, some, some kind of vaccine, you know, uh, vaccine truther, you know, va- vaccine, uh, you know, f- fake specialist or anything like that. You know, like, yeah, I, I understand you know, it's going to be critical about everything, but out of all the times to, uh, you know, criticize or question vaccines, uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, this is not the best. I mean, of course, you know, the the government agencies are going to have to do their absolute best to make sure that these are rigorously tested. That's one of the reasons why, even if the vaccine is found tomorrow, it's still going to take months in the best case scenario to make sure that it's actually safe and that it's actually, um, you know, uh, and, and to actually manufacture them. But, you know, we, we have to have, uh, you know, our, our best trust in that they're going to be able to do that, uh, you know, so, so this isn't the best time to, you know, be posting your, you know, moms against vaccines or, you know, like, a, you know, Dr. Bob, Joe, whatever this guy is who, who says that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to give you, you know, some kind of brain damage. I mean, you know, not, not, not the right time to, 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 to be doing that. So anyway, Chris, I'll, I'll let you go now. Yeah, well, there's also word some um, Australian scientists in Melbourne have hit on some kind of a drug that's showing very promising results in people they've been treating with coronavirus. But as you say, that's got to go to proper testing. I I would be very happy if the Australian government throws any amount of taxpayers' money at that necessary to see that to fruition, because it could also be be something else that's going to help the world. And let's face it, this kind of research is now a very high priority, priority at the moment, so I hope that goes well down under too. Yeah, I, m- I remember, uh, Chris, I-, I saw a Facebook post of yours that said uh, you, you uh, prematurely award the Nobel Peace Prize for the next year to whoever can come up with a cure for this. And I, I think <laughs> I think pretty much everyone would agree at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I feel like. When we talk about who the next Nobel Prize winner will be, if someone really stands out 
in the field coronavirus, I think they will be a very hot contender for it. And I sort of added, perhaps a little bit tongue-in-cheek, please let that be a scientist and not a politician. Because yeah. I think the scientists will be the heroes out of this in the end. Oh, of course they will. Yeah, of course they will. Yeah. There's this one great song by the Flaming Lips, actually, Race for the Cure, um, or it's called Race for the Prize, but it's actually about two scientists who are who are trying to race to cure this disease. I've, I've got to go listen to that later. So if you guys are looking for something, Flaming Lips, Race for the Prize. Uh, sorry, this has nothing to do with Latvia. Yeah. We, we, we have to get back and, and finish this up. Uh, Otto, how about week in the uh, week in history? Can you tell us uh, some interesting things that happened this week in Latvian history? Yeah, certainly. I would like to remember one very notable event uh, that uh, took place 30 years ago, as on March the 18th, uh, 1990, uh, was the first time in the Soviet-occupied Latvia when a democratic election was allowed, uh, meaning that uh, parties other than the Communist Party uh, were permitted uh, to the ballot. And that allowed the Latvian Popular Front uh, to uh, get a majority in the uh, Supreme Council and uh, paved the way to the May the 4th uh, Independence Declaration later in uh, 1990. So, and this year it is 30 years, so uh, it is a great anniversary to remember. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of the week in the future, we, we normally have a uh, kind of a week in the future about events that are coming up. Uh, but I, I think I think the best advice is to find something very interesting to do uh, indoors. Uh, one thing I can recommend, by the way, for those of you who are uh, interested in, in learning Latvian and, uh, you know, or if you already know Latvian and and uh, you want to find something interesting to watch, uh, filmus.lv. Uh, so all of the movies in the Latvian uh, culture canon, they are available for free streaming. I would strongly suggest watching some of these. For example, um, Chris, when you were over the summer, we watched together um, Chetri Balti Correctly, Four White Shirts, you know, which, yeah. I, which I, think, I think you enjoyed. Um, also, uh, l- l- Limousine and um, uh, you know, the, the, the Color of Yanni Night uh, or Midsummer Night, that, that's a great one you can watch. There, there's a bunch of really good ones uh, the, from the culture canon. So you can try to be more cultural and, uh, and, and check out some of those films for, for free. Uh, anything you can suggest people to do, Otto, while, while they're indoors? Well, for the indoors, there is also a number of uh, board games that you can do with your family. Also, a very interesting uh, way how to do it. I saw it on Facebook uh, from one of my friends that they are actually doing playing board games uh, almost in a similar video conference that we are doing between three different countries. So you can actually do that with some of them uh, or online. Uh, at the same time, I would also not discourage people from going outside but of being uh, innovative and, let's say, uh, trying to do a walk in the forest or park or uh, somewhere uh, where you could still get some uh, fresh air and sunshine or vitamin D uh, with a little people around. So take your dog for a, a longer walk outside somewhere. Uh, there, there are plenty of opportunities to keep healthy and uh, stay sane uh, in this period of time. But, 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 but two, meter, two meters away from other people, though, please. Exactly, uh, as our yeah. government has recommended us. Which, which is great in Yelgova because, you know, Yelgova is a very sparsely populated city, so we, we have no problems. You know, I think in Siem Reap it's probably a little bit... Uh, a little bit trickier, but uh, you know, we we still all need fresh air because yeah, we I mean, if if we only stay inside the entire time, then we'll definitely all get sick. So you know, we we, we do have to be smart and uh, and careful. But you know, so just uh, just stick in there, stick in there, everyone. I mean, we're, we're all in this together. You know, and uh, you know, if if any of you need any help with anything, you know, I've I've already you know had some people, you know, some some. Uh, 
you know, uh, fellow Americans or, or other foreigners who are here in Latvia who have had some troubles, you know, just navigating this whole situation, you know, f- feel free to, you know, reach out to me. I'm, I'm sure Otto also would be happy to, you know, to, to help with sure. things as well. And, you know, because, uh, so you know, write us in the time. Yeah, because you know we're we're not we're not just uh, some talking heads, even though we look like it right now. If you're watching the Facebook version, you know we're 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 doing this for you guys. You know we 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 hope this is useful. We hope it's useful to kind of talk through you know what's happening and uh, you know the, the news every week. So uh, you know we we want to be there for you. So you know let us know if there's anything we do to help. Anyway, Chris, uh, I, I think it's pretty late over there in Siem Reap. It's uh, I, don't, I don't know what your bedtime is. I, I, I uh, you know with with my with my daughter, I I, I uh, probably have an earlier bedtime than you. But uh, you know we should probably all uh, get going pretty soon. Any any last things you'd like to say to people, Chris, before before you head out? Yeah, look, I think if you're stuck at home and you you can't really go out and about anywhere, it's a fantastic opportunity to take. Maybe there's an online course you'd like to take if you're intellectually inclined. Or if you just like to relax, pour yourself a glass of wine, get on the Skype and chat with your friends. <laughs> hey, that's have what a, we're have doing. A bit of fun with us. Yeah, except yeah, I, I don't know if wine. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in my school right now, so I can't, I can't have wine. But uh, but I'm, I'm glad you know Chris ha, had, ha, ha. <laughs> have an extra glass for me. You know, so yeah. uh, Otto, any any last words you'd like to say before we head out? Yeah, at least this has been a very interesting experience, and now I can do it like they do it on Hollywood Square. So, <laughs> goodbye, Chris, and goodbye, Joe. And I, I hope that our listeners and viewers uh, enjoyed this, and uh, feel free to write us your feedback, and we'll try to answer uh, or direct you uh, to the source of information that you need. Yeah, and we will definitely be back one way or another next week. So, until next time, Visa Labovisium.